The following audio is from Grace Fellowship of Westerville. More information about the church is available at www.gracefcwesterville.org. Chapter 13, verses 36 through 38, Peter has just heard that he can't go with Jesus. And so he comes and he says, And Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus answered him, Where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterwards. Peter said to him, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. And Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you've denied me three times. Now, in John chapter 13, there are two main characters besides the Lord Jesus Christ himself. That's Judas and Peter. Judas was not a true believer. Consequently, when John gets into the end of the story of Judas in chapter 30, he ends the verse in, or ends in verse 30 by saying, and it was night. This is the night of the eternal darkness brought on by separation from God because Judas was very calculating and in very cold blood, he exchanged Jesus for some silver. By contrast, the prophecy of Peter's denial is at once followed by Christ's reassurance. In John chapter 14, verse 1, it says, Let not your heart be troubled. So what I want us to understand, first of all, as we begin here, is that failure is common to all men. Failure is common to everybody. Before we can get hard on Peter, we need to first be reminded that failure is a common occurrence. In fact, Paul makes it clear in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. He says, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to men. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but will, with the temptation, he will also provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. So the first thing that comes from this verse is that temptation is going to happen to everybody. But that's not Paul's main point here. His main point is that God has made a way for his children to escape temptation. So we learn that temptations will come and failure happens, but it doesn't have to happen. Satan likes to make us think that temptation is so extraordinary that you just can't say no. And if you can say no, you get overconfidence and wind up falling in your own strength. What is so interesting about Peter is that he has been warned about his coming failure. This is what our text is about this morning. Jesus has foretold his own departure, and Peter is objecting to it by saying, Lord, why can't I follow you? I'll lay down my life for you. But Jesus responds in verse 38 by saying, Will you lay down your life? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow three times before you deny me. Now, now just picture you're Peter. And Jesus has just looked at you and said, you will deny me tonight. How's your reaction? Now, there's no way. There's no way. No way. I mean, there's just no way I'm going to deny you. And this is ironic because Peter says, I'll lay down my life for you. But in a few short hours, that's exactly what Jesus is going to do for Peter. Nevertheless, in these words, Peter had a prophecy of danger that awaited him. All he had to do 
was to hang in there for the night. Just hang in there at least till he heard a rooster call, right? Yet, in spite of the fact that he understood the danger, was prepared to meet it, and was forewarned by the Lord's own solemn prophecy, he fell. And because this is so common to all of us, I want us to see, first of all, Peter's path to failure. When a fall comes, sometimes it seems very sudden, like in an instant, in a moment, we fall. But that's generally not the case. In fact, uh, sometimes if you watch the news in various cities, you'll see that they are taking down a, a hotel or a building to make way for some new building. And, and <clears throat> the news will go there, and uh, you know, you'll see the building there, and you'll hear three, two, one, and there's a boom, and this building just, boom, it's gone. In an instant, that building is gone. But what you don't see is the weeks and months and months of preparation. Uh, the demolition men going over all the plans, finding out all the structural points, strategically placing the explosives in the right place so that it implodes in the right way. The news goes to it, you see the fall, but you don't see everything that led up to that fall. And that's really the way Peter is. Because all through the Gospel of John, we've seen Peter, a strong man. I mean, he was always right there but he was always right there in his own strength. So the first thing I want us to see is overconfidence. Overconfidence. This is uh, evident in every part of the story, but particularly from the question Peter asks. The Lord told Peter he was going away, and Peter immediately said, where are you going? This isn't a simple question, but more of a protest from Peter that he can't go. Peter is saying, look, I'll go with you anywhere. Just tell me where you go and I'll prove it to you. And then Peter boasts again that he would even die for him if he had to. This was a contradiction of the Lord's words. And to prove it, if he had to lay down his life, he would lay down his life. So what we are thinking of, or or, or what exactly was Peter thinking of? What are we to think of Peter's audacity? Well, we can't condemn him completely because it's obviously that he had a deep passion and love for his Lord. I mean, he wasn't acting out of a wrong motive necessarily. He was acting out of a desire to be with Jesus, to not let him go and to be there to support him anywhere he can. But what did following Jesus really mean? Peter still had no idea what it meant to truly follow Jesus. And I wonder this morning, do we? Do we truly understand what this means? In his overconfidence, Peter failed not at his weakest point, but at his strongest point. He was no coward. He was ready to die for Jesus. Yet he trembled that evening when asked by a teenage uh, teenage maiden, if he even knew him. I think the only answer is that Jesus permitted it in order to teach Peter and us a very important lesson. And the lesson is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 10. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, 
persecutions and calamities. For when I am weak, then am I strong. You see, it's not till you and I come to the end of ourselves that we really find true strength. Because none of us in ourselves has the ability to stand against anything. Here is Peter, a rock of a man. Here is Peter that said he would stand with Jesus, would stand up to anybody who got in his way, would die for him if he had to die for him. Yet a teenager comes up to him and he wilts. And this is what Jesus has to teach Peter. We are all weak when we step out without Christ at the center. And there is not one of us who can overcome without the Spirit of God at the helm of our life. Number two, there was a failure to pray. Peter never asked Jesus how to avoid the failure that was predicted. He just had the idea, I'll show him. But this should never have happened. For if we read the parallel accounts of this evening's activities, we find that Jesus had explicitly warned the disciples to pray. In fact, he warned them three times. Let me take you to Luke chapter 22 and verse 40. And when he came to the place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. Then again, after he returned, he found the disciples sleeping. And in Matthew chapter 26, verses 40 through 41, he said, And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping, and he said to Peter, So could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing. The flesh is weak. He then said a third time, just before the soldiers came to arrest them. Luke chapter 22 and verse 46. And he said to them, Why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. So here Peter was instructed three times to pray. He was admonished three times, Don't fall into temptation, pray. Pray so you don't fall into temptation. Pray so you don't fall into temptation. Three times, pray so you don't fall into temptation. You know, I got to thinking, do we ever pray explicitly not to fall into temptation? I mean, we would all do well when we wake up in the morning before our feet even hit the floor is just say, Lord, this day, keep me in your spirit. Keep me from temptation. Make it clear to me that I might respond properly. This is what Jesus was trying to get him to do. And I like the fact that he calls out Peter in one of those examples because Jesus knows what's coming. And he's setting Peter up all along the way. Uh, He even admonished in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, Paul said, pray without ceasing. It's hard work, but it's the only thing to prevent us from falling into temptation. And then number three, Peter followed at a distance. Peter followed at a distance. Luke chapter 22, verse 54. Then they seized him and led him away, bringing him into the high priest's house. And Peter was following at a distance. Now, under the circumstances, we can understand how it happened. At the moment of the arrest, the other disciples scattered in a panic, most of them apparently making their way back to Bethany to get away from the danger. But Peter followed in the darkness at a distance. 
Peter was caught off guard. He was not praying as Jesus was. So fear had suddenly conquered his heart. What Peter did was characteristic of too many Christians today. We want to be followers of Jesus, but we follow from a distance. We know that the focus of warfare is right where Jesus is, right where he stands. So we think it's safer if we don't stand so close. But the only safety is to get as close to Jesus as possible. That is the only true safety. And then finally, toward the end of the story, we find Peter warming himself at a fire in the the courtyard of the high priest, and he begins to be railed by these people. But before we get into his, his fall, I want to point something else to you that I think is very critical. Because right after the Lord's Supper, it, uh, Mark's gospel tells us that they went out and sung a hymn. And I want you to really listen closely to Mark chapter 14. I'm going to pick it up in verse 26. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And Jesus said to them, You will all fall away, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter said to him, Even though they fall away, I will not. And Jesus said to him, Truly I tell you, this very night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he said emphatically, If I must die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said the same thing. Now I want you to notice here, Peter was so intent on expressing his own strength that he didn't even hear the part about after I am raised. You see, if Peter had been listening and caught that, they could have moved on in victory. They could have said, okay, I'm not sure where this is going, but he's going to be raised and he's going to lead us, so let's go. But he never heard that because his mind was so intent on his own ability to stand with Jesus. And that's very important. Let me give you a life principle. Ego and self-confidence make a man very deaf. Ego and self-confidence make a man very deaf. But I want to point out something else to you here that I think is fascinating. Verse 31 says, but he said emphatically. You know, the English translation really cleans it up. The King James said he spoke more vehemently. Literally in the Greek means he was cursing and swearing. I can see Peter saying, there's no blankety-blank-blank-blank-blankety way that I'm going to deny you. I mean, there he is. He's just laying it out there, and his character is going with him. And it's a very forceful statement. And Jesus is taking this all in. But notice that his self-righteous attitude didn't only affect Peter. It affected everybody around him. Because the last part of verse 31 says... And they all said the same. So you've got this ringleader. And he's the man. He's the powerhouse. He's the guy that's going to stand with Jesus. And he's literally making a fool of himself. But he's so convincing because he's so strong that all the other disciples are like, yeah, yeah, we're with him. Oh, yeah, we're, we're there. We're there with you. And he leads them all astray. You know, sometimes when you and I aren't walking with the Lord, we can be very convincing to people around us. And there's always that danger of leading people away from where the Lord is going. And this is what Peter did. 
Peter's failure was not just to himself, but it was to everyone around him. And so it was critical that he learn this lesson. Now, what was the result? They scattered. When the arrest came, they, just, they scattered. And I wonder sometimes how often you and I scatter when the going gets really tough. Matthew chapter 26, the confrontation begins. And they have just yelled out to Peter that he was one of Jesus. And let's pick it up in verse 70. But he denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you mean. And then he went out the entrance, and another servant girl saw him, and she said to the bystanders, this man was with Jesus of Nazareth. And again he denied it with an oath. I do not know the man. After a little while, the the bystanders came up and said to Peter, Certainly you too are one of them, for your accent betrays you. And then he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know the man. And immediately, the rooster crowed. It's just ripping him off like a drunken sailor. Right? Blank, swearing, cursing. I don't know him. Can you imagine Peter just ripping off that last denial and here's the rooster? Can you imagine the heart when this powerful man realizes he's just fallen flat on his face? What does that do to the heart? What does that do to someone who's in that situation? He went from, no, no, I won't deny, to, no, no, I don't know him. And he fell flat on his face. In fact, he didn't just fall, he went splat. I mean, he just hit as hard as you could possibly hit. Now, if we left the story right here, it would hurt. Because this is a man who walked with Jesus. This is a man who is hand-picked. This is a man who was so convincing that when Jesus asked who they were and he said, you are the Christ, he changed, Peter's, he changed Peter's name from Simon to Peter, which means the rock. <coughs> Peter was a powerful testimony for Jesus Christ who fell flat on his face. And the story would be so sad right here. But man, am I glad I've got encouragement. Because God had a plan for Peter. And let me tell you something this morning. He has a plan for you and I. He has a major plan for you and I. Jesus allowed Peter to operate under his own strength because he had a very important plan. Number one, Jesus prayed for Peter. Now, let me take you to another narrative in Luke chapter 22. Verse 31 through 32. Jesus says, Simon, Simon. Now, pause there for a second. He's calling him Simon by his old man because he's living like the old man. Okay? He's living in the flesh. He's living in the personal strength. So Jesus addresses him that way. Simon, Simon. Behold, Satan demands to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But I've prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, 
strengthen your brothers. The King James says, when you have come through. Past tense. Now understand here, because Satan, I, I kind of think Satan probably came to God just like he did when he came to accuse Job. And he probably said, this old Peter is a fraud. I can get him to deny you with ease. And God said, have at it. Have at it. <clears throat> have you ever considered the fact that your failures are part of a bigger picture? That they are designed to build you up and to train you so you can be used of God? Let me just pause for a minute because I know a few weeks ago I talked about this, this whole sifting process. But just to review with you, they used to, the farmers would bring in the grain stalks from the field and they would throw it down on the threshing floor and they'd take these heavy wooden rakes and they'd beat it and beat it and beat it. And then they'd scoop it and they'd throw it up in the air and then it fell down and they'd beat it. What they were doing is beating it so that the seed, the wheat seed, could be separated from the unusable shaft. And by throwing it up in the air, <clears throat> the wind would catch the shaft and blow it away so that the seed would, be, would fall. The unusual portion was blown away so the usable portion remained. And what is so evident in the life of Peter is that there was so much chaff in his life that had to go so God could use him. And I'm here to tell you this morning, every one of us has chaff that's got to go. God wants to use every single one of us, but he's going to remove what he can't use. So what's left is the usable portion. You know, sometimes you and I can read the word of God till we're blue in the face, but sometimes it takes a good old-fashioned trial to get our attention. And that's what's happened to Peter. The process would serve to get out of Peter the unusable chaff. Here Jesus announced Peter's victory even before it happened. In our text, in chapter 13, he announces his failure before it happens. But in Luke, he's announcing his victory before it happens. He added that he would pray for Peter that his faith wouldn't fail. When he was going through the trial, when he was going to get hammered, when he was going to get beaten down, Jesus prayed that his faith wouldn't fail because when he came through, he'd be able to use that to the glory of God. Some of you may be going through a tough time. <laughs> On the authority of this book, I can tell you that God will use it. He'll use it if you let him use it. You have to trust him and let him use it. He will come through. Peter would fail to pray, but the Lord would pray for him for the victory. And you and I must realize that we have an advocate who is Christ Jesus the Lord. We have a God who sits right now, a Jesus, a Savior, that sits right next to the throne of God, making intercessions which we can't even understand. And when you come through, strengthen your brothers. So wherever you are, wherever you're feeling, however hard things might be, know that Jesus will use it to his glory if you'll surrender to it. And here's the cool part about this whole thing. Number two, Jesus will recommission Peter. 
The Lord appeared to Peter after Peter's fall and after his own resurrection to recommission him. The story is found in the postscript of John's gospel in chapter 21. The Lord, if you recall, was waiting on the seashore cooking breakfast, and Jesus had, or Peter had come in from fishing. I don't know where Peter's mind was now. Maybe he just gave up because it says he was out on the boat fishing. He may have gone back to his old trade, lost, defeated. And he comes in from the boat, and here's Jesus waiting for him. And Jesus asks him three times, Simon, son of Barjona, do you love me? And Peter says three times, you know I love you. And Jesus says, feed my sheep. See, it doesn't matter that we fail. It's that we allow him to pick us up and use us. And he will. He will. Did Jesus cast off Peter? He had every reason to do so, but no. This is not the Lord's way. He came back again to personally commission Peter. Did God cast off Abraham after he stopped in Haran? No. God came to Abraham a second time with the identical promise of great spiritual blessing. Did God cast off Moses after he decided he could free Egypt under his own strength? wound up killing an Egyptian shoulder or soldier and had to go off and, and, and hide in the wilderness for 40 years. No. He appeared to him again and recommissioned him. Did, did God cast off Jonah after Jonah had fled from him? No. God ordered all the events to get him back on track. Have you strayed from God? Are you thinking you've blown it? God will keep coming back. He'll never let you go. And we are unfaithful, but he is faithful. Do you remember how chapter 13 began? Verse 1 said, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the word, he loved them to the end. You see, the beautiful part that Christians have is that his love never fails. And you can I can you and I can blow it over and over again. We, we can make such a mess, but he's there with his arms open, ready to pick us up, ready to hold us, and ready to use us. So where are you this morning? Are you disappointed? Are you defeated? If you look at the lesson of Peter and you allow what you've just seen to be part of your life, there is not one person here this morning who has to live in failure and defeat. God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And he's calling you this morning to repentance that he can lavish upon you his blessing that he can lavish upon you leadership and guidance, that he can lavish upon you a love that is past understanding, and he will use you in a mighty way. Let's pray. Father, we're so moved by this story of Peter. I confess there's far too much Peter in me. It's so easy, Lord, to 
to just see this world as tough to get past. But God, you are merciful, and repeatedly we see through every chapter of this book, and particularly this morning, that your greatest desire is that we would mount up with wings as eagles, that we would run and not be weary, that we'd walk and not faint. And you offer that this morning. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I wonder if there's someone here who just won't mention you, won't call you out, but you would just like prayer. Is there anyone here? We'll just pray for you. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Anyone else? Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Father, you've seen the hands of these folks who are desiring to walk with you. I just pray that you would give them the inner strength to surrender. The inner heart that would just lay at your feet and allow you to take over and live through them. And Lord, if there's anyone here this morning who does not know you as personal Savior, all of this is meaningless. I pray that they would come and talk to myself or someone that can point them to the true answers of saving grace in Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done, and we'll give you the praise in Christ's name.